Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. That's another win for the Celtics. Are the Heat starting to get worried? Also, another bonkers finish in the Stanley Cup playoff. And could the Lakers swap Anthony Davis for Kyrie Irving? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're Locked On Sports Today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. Miami Heat fans are going to get sick about hearing it, but it's only going to get louder. 150 times a team has gone down in the playoffs, three games to nothing. And 150 times that team has lost that series. Jalen Brown said, don't let us win one. Well, they won one, and now they have won two. A 110-97 win in Boston. And this is this is time when the intestinal fortitude has to kick in. Wes Goldberg from Locked on Heat joins me now. And Wes, this Heat team has had intestinal fortitude in spades over the course of this playoff run, but not the last two games. To you, what has been the difference here over these last two? Uh, the Celtics finally look like the Celtics uh, that we saw so much of the regular season when they won 13 more games than the Miami Heat did mm. uh, during the regular season. Uh, they, they're shooting 40.5% over the last couple of games, the Celtics are, and that's much more in line with around the 39% mark that they had during the regular season. Meanwhile, the Heat have completely gone cold. Credit the Celtics defense for a lot of that. Uh, there was basically no interference in Miami's motion offense at all through the first three games. Uh, the Heat just got to all their spots, and, and you could have said that, hey, the first three games, it's make or miss, and the Heat were just getting hot. And some of that definitely went up to hot shooting for sure, but uh, the Celtics weren't really doing anything about it. And then in game four, they tightened up. Uh, it kind of felt like they finally read the scouting report on what it is that the Heat want to do. Um, and they've executed on that end. And meanwhile, the Heat, for two games now, eight quarters, have struggled to find places in Boston's defense to attack. The Celtics are doing a great job covering up some of their weaknesses, uh, covering up some of the mismatches that Jimmy Butler was trying to take advantage of. And, um, and and like I said, they they look like the team we expected them to look like. One interesting stat in this one: um, now with with two blowout wins in a row by the by the Boston Celtics, the point differential is like one point eight per game. The Heat are winning; they they're still on the positive side of that point differential. But for the most part, in a in a series that was three zero, that is now three two, these teams have basically been even. After game four, you and I talked and your answer was very similar. You basically, you said the Boston Celtics look like the Boston Celtics that we've seen for most of the season. So, and I joked that the heat kind of looked like the heat that we saw for most of the season. Right. How does Miami get back to being the team that we saw over the last couple of weeks? Not the one that we saw over the course of the previous six months. Starts with Jimmy Butler. Um, I thought Jimmy and Bam both played better in the last loss as opposed to this one in Boston. Mm -hmm. Jimmy Butler um, 14 points, bam out of bio, 16 points. And what do you finish with six turnovers? Yeah. So I can do it. That's not going to do it. You need a, a, a more aggressive Jimmy Butler. You need a more efficient bam out of bio. Uh, and, and that's really where things start for the heat. Cause once they get going now, uh, Boston has to pinch defensively. They have to, they have to respect what it is that those guys are doing in the paint. Then those shots for the Duncan Robinson's Max Drews's and all those guys, now that starts to become a little bit more open if if those guys can get going. One of the reasons why we wanted to have you on after this game was to sort of check in on the vibes, right? Because mm. this isn't two in a row. And 
But this Heat team is also like an all-time vibes team. Like they have just been winning seemingly on vibes over the last month. So like what number one, what is what do you think is the vibe? And and how do they how do they catch that that old vibe again? Because it seemed like they were just ripping everyone's heart out for weeks. And if they could just maybe get a quarter or two together, it seems like they could get that back a little bit. Yeah, look, I, I think the 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 flip on this team, or the switch, I should say, on this team can flip in a hurry, right? Um, and we've seen this in the regular season, to your point. Like, when they start missing shots and their offense kind of stalls, the momentum gets kind of ripped away from them. The wind comes out of their sails and all these things. But when they're making shots and things are going well, they look borderline unstoppable, right? And so, um, look, Jimmy Butler, after the Game 4 loss in Miami, was singing songs on his way to the podium and things like that. I'm not there in Boston right now. I am interested to kind of go and watch what happens in the post-game show, to, uh, post-game press conferences to see what it is that he is like, but for the most part, he's remained steady. He actually likes to play the music after losses more than he does after wins as sort of a signal to his teammates, like, hey, things are going to be all right. Um, and I, I I think it's going to take a lot more than music in the locker room to right the ship for the Heat at this point. Stay up to date all year on the Miami Heat by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Heat on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, another year, another impressive run for the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Before we get to just how impressive they've been, we may finally get a resolution on the A's relocation plans soon. Looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and calories? Then you need the best tasting protein bar ever built. You got to try it. What, what makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And what's even better is they're healthy. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't have to wait to get a box. I know I don't want to wait. I my, my cupboard is always stocked full of them. I eat them every day or almost every day. For years, we've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com, which is how I mostly get them. But I don't have to. Now I can go to my local Walmart or Sam's Club and still get all the specialty flavors I want at Built.com. Just go to your nearest Walmart, go to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream or double chocolate, my original OG favorite, or coconut puff, which is my current favorite. Or if you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with hit flavors like brownie batter puff. You can thank me later. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred says a vote by MLB owners on whether the A's will relocate may take place in June. The owners are scheduled to meet in the middle of June in New York. Manfred went on to say it's very difficult to have a timeline for Oakland until there's actually a deal to be considered. This is where a relocation process internally they need to go through and we haven't even started that process. There's confusion right now around the A's, whether they'll move to Las Vegas, with some reports saying there could be a situation where the owner of the A's starts an expansion team in Vegas, and others saying the deal for the stadium in Vegas is not yet done. Suffice it to say, it's tough to be an A's fan right now. Las Vegas Raiders quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo underwent surgery on his left foot shortly after signing a free agent contract with the team in March. This according to a recent report. Head coach Josh McDaniels, not concerned. Um... You know, no, he's he's going through his process just like we knew he would. Um, nothing has happened that would 
surprise us based on, you know, the information we had. Same thing with Tyree. Again, you know, there's a number of guys you're not going to see out there today. So, um, you know, rehabbing the things that they're rehabbing. And, again, we know we don't play a game for over 100 days. So, um, you know, they're doing everything they can do to, to get right. And when they're all ready to go, then eventually they'll be, they'll be back on the field. Any team that expects Jimmy Garoppolo to play 17 games in a season, you'd probably be a little concerned. That's not really a thing he does. On the diamond, the White Sox thought they were turning things around, and then they lost to the Tigers. The Chicago White Sox lost to the Detroit Tigers 7-2 in Detroit on Thursday. Hey, I'm Nick Morawski from Locked on White Sox. It looked like the White Sox were turning a corner after winning a series against the Cleveland Guardians, playing some better baseball. Uh, but then Thursday happened. White Sox starter Lucas Giolito couldn't even get out of the fourth inning, uh, a start that he would like to forget immediately. Gave up seven walks. White Sox pitching issued 11 free passes to the Tigers. Sox offense with only four hits. A home run from Gavin Sheets. Sox look to do so much better on Friday with Lance Lynn on the mound. For more, check out the Lockdown White Sox podcast. And the Padres got a win over the Nationals on Thursday for just their second series win in May. Just pure chaos, ladies and gentlemen. What's up? Javier Reyes here with Lockdown Padres podcast. The Padres win this last game of this national series by a score of eight to six. And as a result, their first series win, I think of May or early May, something like that. So that was really cool. Thanks to Brunette Odor, a player that has, full disclosure, not been one of my favorites over the course of the last several years. Uh, huge home run, top of ninth, two outs to put the Padres up eight six after an implosion by the bullpen, after a weird bunt attempt by Trent Grisham that made no sense. Just weird stuff throughout, uh, a poor strikeout from Nelson, all sorts of things. Uh, a good start from Blake Snell, by the way, is worth pointing out that was nice, but a really chaotic game because also, unfortunately, Hassan Kim uh, had to be carried off the field, so that wasn't great. Um, so while this is really nice and worth celebrating a, a series win against, you know, a not a great team in the Nationals, can't get too carried away, but it was still really cool just for what I think a lot of Padres fans has felt, that situation, first and second, nobody out, even at the end of the game with this lineup, so many times this year, the Padres haven't come up with an RBI. And of all people, Runed Odor. Here is another story you need to know. The Vegas Golden Knights were rolling just one game away from the Stanley Cup final. Then overtime happens. And in playoff hockey, overtime, aside from being the best, is also pretty unpredictable. And in this case, Chaos reigns. Joe Pavelski scores an overtime power play goal to keep the Dallas Stars alive. Chris Golick from Locked On Golden Knights joins me now. And Chris, um, I know that that crazy things can happen. Um, this is a, a Golden Knights team that has been in control of this series. As I said, what is the level of concern now? Okay, 3-1. So plenty of, plenty of ball game left, right? But you don't want to lose control of the rope. Listen, I just got done watching a hockey game at a beach on the Las Vegas Boulevard, you know, Mandalay Bay. So, I mean, I'm still in my, my, okay, uh, okay. my Brad, Chris, come Golden on, Knight come on. Shirt, so, listen, life is good right now. Um, 
you know, let's credit the Dallas Stars for a job well done. Uh, they were desperate, and they played a desperate game. They played a good game. Uh, they played the game that is expected when your team is down 3 nothing and you got nothing to lose. So let's credit the Stars for a job well done. And obviously now it shifts back to Las Vegas for Game 5 on Saturday. Goal achieved, right? I mean, if you keep home ice advantage by taking one of the games on the road, then it's it's okay. It's okay. It would be nice to uh, still be celebrating right now, um, but that's not the reality. But the reality is we're up three to one, and the reality is that this has only happened four times in the history of this playoff format where teams have coughed up a 3-0 lead. I certainly hope there's not going to be a new article written after this series about it <laughs> happening for a fifth time. So what's interesting about that, and and I sort of contrast it with what's going on in, in Boston and in Miami right now in the NBA when you have these two teams that in the regular season, they weren't even close. But in this case, with the Stars and the Knights, that's not the case. In fact, the Stars had a better goal differential, pretty close in points. And so you might look at this from the outside and go, well, these teams were actually pretty close. The, the 3-0 number is the thing that seems weird in this case. Yes and no. Um, I felt game one, there was a pretty large talent gap between the teams. And this got me roasted by a lot of Dallas Star fans on uh, some of our YouTube uh, comments, unfortunately. But you go back to game one, the Dallas Stars got a real fluky goal by the puck hitting the dasher board coming out to center ice. Uh, they score a desperate goal again in a six on five circumstance. Okay, fine. Game two, Dallas was the better team, but Vegas found a way. Um, game three, Dallas, I mean, obviously Jamie Benn and the rest is history from there. And in this game, Dallas was the better team for the most part. Um, VGK had their moments and VGK was playing pretty much the game I thought they were going to play. They were trying to be opportunistic, knowing that Dallas was going to be desperate, knowing that Dallas was going to push. And the concern I had in the third period was Vegas might go to a pre-vet defense, just kind of waiting for their opportunities. And Vegas didn't. Vegas actually controlled the pace for a lot of the third period, just couldn't find a way to get one in. Um, Jack Eichel had a remarkable game pushing the puck. It would have been nice to see him finish one of those odd man rushes and breakaway that he had, but unfortunately he didn't. So see if uh, him and the boys can rebound on Saturday. Is is there any more to a, a potential game five strategy other than sort of stay the course on this one for, if you're the Golden Knights? I think so. I just was right before we went on, I was just uh, reading some of uh, Coach Cassidy's comments. He felt that Dallas changed up some of their forechecking a little bit and gave him credit for doing so. But he felt it was more of VGK not necessarily getting to their game, not taking credit away from Dallas. Again, credit Dallas for a desperate win in a desperate circumstance. Um, but Cassidy seems pretty calm and cool. You're not going to see any line changes. You're not going to see a, a goalie change or anything like that. You might see some things in game. You might see VGK press a little bit earlier and try and catch Dallas off guard. Now, the VGK uh, uh, forecheck right now it has been relentless ever since the Edmonton series. And I wouldn't mind them taking some chances in the neutral zone because they've been so good at turning the puck over in the corners and creating immediate scoring chances. Stay up to date all year on the Vegas Golden Knights by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Golden Knights on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Coming up, why an Anthony Davis for Kyrie Irving trade makes sense. The Los Angeles Lakers just endured a sweep at the hands of the Denver Nuggets. Things have to change in LA, right? Nick Angstead and Isaac Harris on Locked On Mavericks have an idea for LA. 
When the Lakers made the Western Conference Finals, I think a lot of us looked at that team and said, well, and we heard reports from Mark Stein and from others that said the Lakers are not interested in Kyrie Irving. They think that they've righted the ship or they've, you know, they've gotten back to winning ways and they figured out a way for them to win and succeed. And then they go get swept in the Western Conference Finals. And for any for any normal team, you'd think, wow, what a turnaround. You start two and ten, you're terrible all year, and then all of a sudden you make this turnaround and make the Western Conference final. That's not enough for LeBron. It just isn't every year. And he's been fairly patient with this Lakers thing so far. Uh, wherein they think, okay, he makes him go get Anthony Davis, but then they have some off years and all that. Like we haven't seen the same kind of push that he did on like that he did on Cleveland. Like that was a next level push that he made for that that front office to improve that team. Now we're seeing, like Isaac joked earlier about the, you know, you know, I, it's wearing on me. I, I may retire. Trying to put pressure, to me at least, that, that shows signs of trying to put pressure on the front office. Isaac just thinks he's a narcissist, but he's trying to put pressure on the, on the front office. To do that, are the Lakers back in the Kyrie Irving business? And that, that matters for the Mavericks because then it would have to be some kind of signing trade. Yeah, I mean, I, I joke. I think it can be both of them. I think he 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 does love he, the narrative he attention. He now. No, 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 no. Because I do think it's both. He does love the narrative attention, spotlight, and control in that. But I do think it is a way for him to put pressure on Palinka and them too. Of yeah, let me just. Uh, you don't want to go get Kyrie. You're not interested in Kyrie. Well, let me think about taking a year off and just uh, hanging out at USC with Bronny, and. You know, and then just going to whatever team Bronny signs or, you know, gets drafted by a year later. But it, yes, that I'm a little bit more scared now just because of the fashion in which they went out. Like you said, I mean, to get swept like that uh, is, to, is to just look worse in every way. No, I'm very surprised that a Mavericks podcast would suggest a trade that undercuts the biggest strength of Anthony Davis his defense in LA takes that away and fills the biggest weakness for the Mavericks defense, rebounding interior presence while giving the Lakers a thing that they don't really need that much playmaking. They have that in LeBron James. Yeah. They need a secondary playmaker. It'd be really nice to get some secondary playmaking, but do they need to give up their most consistent player currently to do that? Doesn't, doesn't seem totally necessary. And finally, Michael Block's Storybook PJ Championship did not carry over to the Charles Schwab. He carded a first round 81. Block bogeyed four of the first five holes and double bogeyed three of the last four. He did, however, have one heck of a highlight. Block hit an amazing recovery shot from a bridge and then proceeded to save par on that hole. If it's any consolation for Block, he does have a sponsor exemption for the RBC Canadian next week already. Maybe saying if you could hit the ball as far as Roy McElroy would make you a world-class player was not the best way to be in the good graces of the golf gods. And just a thought. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up Tuesday, what can we expect from the NBA Finals? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.